earlier this week, we had a family dinner and uh, we were talking about, just kind of had a fun discussion at family dinner at my house, and we were talking about different main characters in different s- stories, books, shows, movies, and we were just sort of comparing these main characters, and my six-year-old daughter kind of butts in that moment, and she says this, she says, well, I'm the main character in this family. <laughs> and so we laugh, just like you're laughing, But that statement wasn't her best statement. It was the next statement that she made when we were laughing. She said this. She said, why y'all laughing? (laughs) She was like, this is just true. I am the main character in this family. And the thing you need to know, my third uh, child, six-year-old daughter, she's probably the most free-spirited child in our family like that. But listen, what you also need to know about my third child, my six-year-old daughter, is that recently, several nights a week, she's finding her way to our bed at 3 a.m. at night to sleep with us and cuddle so closely with us, See, here's what you know about kids. This is a good parenting uh, analogy for tomorrow night, is kids need structure, but they also need freedom. They need truth, but they also need grace, right? And we're going to talk about tomorrow night. How do you do both? How do you navigate those two things? But what you see, if you work with kids, if you have kids, the freest kid is the safest kid. Isn't that true, parents? The most full of life kid, the free-spirited kid is the safest, most protected kid. So that's why they feel like they can be free. That's why they have so much fullness of life, and that's true for our little six-year-old daughter. But it's not just true for kids. It's true for adults. It's true for all of us in this room. The way we experience the most freedom and fullness in life is experiencing first safety and protection in life. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to flesh that out today as we look at this I am statement from Jesus. I am the door. See, we're three weeks into this series, Jesus according to Jesus. We're getting uniquely to hear about Jesus from Jesus himself. If you're wondering about Christianity, wondering about the Bible, this is a great series to join us for because we get to hear from the source what Jesus is like. And so we're going to see this I am statement of I am the door, and we're going to see how how that means we get protection, freedom, and fullness in life. You guys ready? All right, we're going to get there anyway. Grab a Bible and get ready. John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. John 10, 7 through 10. I'd love for you to grab a Bible. Uh, You can grab your study guide as well and take notes on this and get the most out of this sermon as well as during the week. We're going to read it, and then I'll break it down. It's John 10, 7 through 10, and it says this. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. Jesus is saying right there is, listen up. This is really important, what he's about to say. He says, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. He says it again. He repeats it. It's important. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. As we talk about the door, before we get to the door, first we have to remind ourselves of the I am. These seven I am statements, we've said it in the last two weeks. If you've missed those sermons, go watch them on YouTube. We've said it. Just this statement of I am is so significant. It wasn't just that Jesus said, I don't know, should I say I do or should I say I am? Oh, I'll choose I am. 
It's not that, right? Jesus is hearkening us back to Exodus chapter 3 in our Old Testament where Moses is called by God to go rescue the Israelites out of slavery. And there's this burning bush. Some of you have seen the movie or seen the flannel graph. And you see this burning bush and Moses is is scared. I'm going to go rescue a whole people group out of slavery. Who am I to tell them sent me? And for the first time ever, God gives us his name, and he says, I am who I am. You tell them, Moses, you tell them, I am sent me. And what God is saying in that moment is, I am self-existing, self-sufficient, utterly independent. I'm God. And so in the New Testament, the book of John, these seven I am statements, Jesus intentionally says the same thing. He says, I am. I am self-existing. I am self-sufficient. I am utterly independent because at that time, Jesus had healed a lot of people, done a lot of miracles, and people might have thought, okay, it's because you've done all these amazing things, you're God. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I am God because I am God. I was the God who pre-existed time. I am self-sufficient. And so Jesus is declaring he's God, but also in his grace, he's describing what God is like. And he says, I am the door. So we have to ask, why the door? Why door? What is Jesus saying? How is he describing himself when he says he's the door? You see, all these I am statements, they include word pictures or imagery. And we've gone through a couple of them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. A little bit later, I am the vine. And some of these word pictures that Jesus gives are pretty logical and easy to infer and understand. I am the door is a little bit more difficult. In fact, as as you read commentaries, it's a little bit more debated. And what we've said this entire series is that Jesus is a masterful preacher. He doesn't give distracting illustrations. He gives unveiling ones. But because they're unveiling, just like an onion, we may have to peel back a few layers and dig in to see what is Jesus really describing when he describes himself as the door. Because the reality is, some of us are confused by that. Some people in this day were confused by that. If you look at the text again with me, verse 7, it says, So Jesus again said to them. See, 1 through 6, he's describing this same concept, but everybody's looking at him confused. And so he has to say it again, give another word picture. It's like this week, I spoke at Phoenix Christian Chapel with my wife on relationships and dating. And there's two chapels in this room. It's pretty sweet. We get to be in this room and minister to all these students. My wife and I got to tag team teach this one and talk about relationships and dating, first with middle schoolers and then with high schoolers. If you're a communicator at all, you know those are two radically different messages and talks. Because I didn't want to tell these middle schoolers, like, go date right now. That's not what I'm telling. Like, one of them was, like, in fifth grade, but she looked like she was in third grade. (laughs) And I just could picture, like, my little kid and, you know, parents saying, like, you told my kid to date? What is wrong with you? Like, so I just, I had to teach different messages. My wife helped me with this. But listen, as I talked about dating with middle schoolers, they were just looking at me like this. (laughs) The whole time. Even as I adapted it for them. And I think I'm an okay communicator. I tried to adapt it, give it stories, all those kinds of things. And they were just like... Just confused the whole time. High school was way better, way, res- more, way more responsive, uh, almost too much responsive. Um, but listen, that's what's happening in this moment. The people surrounding Jesus, they're just like, what? 
You're the door? I don't understand. You're the shepherd? I don't understand what's going on here. And so it says Jesus again has to explain this to them. So if you're ever confused, welcome to the club. A lot of people are confused, but we want to dig into what does it mean that Jesus is the door? I thought about if I was a prop preacher, I could have a door on the stage. I asked first service. They said that would have been helpful. I don't, would it have been helpful to have a door on the stage? I'm honestly curious. Sure. Okay. Why not? Well, here's what we don't, we don't have a door on the stage, but we have two doors back there. Three, a door right here. Can everybody see those doors? Just look at them really hard because you should know those aren't going to help you <laughs> at all, right? Because look at the text with me. Jesus says, verse 7, I am the door of who? The sheep. He's not talking about doors of a building. He's saying, I am the door of a sheep. You see, Jesus is giving this metaphor, this imagery of sheep and shepherd. And he says, I'm the door of these sheep, and as you dig into this context a little bit, this imagery, what you would know is, as, as Jesus is talking about, is a shepherd has sheep in a field. They are subject to attack. They are subject to getting lost, particularly at night. Like everybody knows, if you've been in church at all and talked about Psalm 23, everybody knows sheep are not the brightest animals, right? Some pastors go way too extreme on this, by the way. They're just like, sheep are stupid, the dumbest animal alive. I'm just like, okay, like I've heard that, okay, fine. But they aren't the brightest, right? They're easily lost, they easily wander away, and they can be attacked, particularly at night. So here's what happens. The shepherd will build a pen. Take bushes, rocks, all kinds of things to enclose the sheep safely so no thieves or robbers as John talks about, can get in and attack them. So Jesus is trying to show us that imagery. But you need to know, he leaves an opening, the shepherd would, he leaves an opening, and instead of having an actual door to open and close that opening of this pen that he makes, the shepherd is the door. Can you picture it? That door doesn't help you. This is the door he's talking about, the door of the sheep. There's a pen, rocks, bushes, there's an opening, and the shepherd is literally laying down in that opening, and he's the door, right? So when Jesus says, I am the door, that's what we should picture. That's what we should think of, right? Now, what does that mean for our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we're going to talk about it. Here's what it means. We like to boil it down and give you a big idea. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the door? Here's what it means. Jesus is the way to true freedom and lasting fulfillment. If you're taking notes, Jesus is the way to true freedom and lasting fulfillment. Look at verses 9 and 10. Here's where I get this. Jesus gives us the deeper meaning behind he is the door. He says we'll be saved and we'll go in and out of pasture. He says we'll have life in verse 10 and have it abundantly. So I just want to break that down. He's the way to true freedom and lasting fulfillment. First, true freedom. Verse 9, he says, you'll be saved. And many of us, we might think of eternal salvation. That's certainly part of it. But in the context, again, if you picture that pen and you picture the shepherd laying down and being the door, what you should picture is not just eternal salvation, but daily protection. That's the context of what Jesus is talking about. And I think for a lot of us, as we talk about freedom and protection, we get a lot more excited about freedom than protection. In 2021, as Americans, we get a lot more excited about freedom than protection. 
Especially now, we're all grasping for our freedom, holding tight for our freedom, proclaiming that we are a free people. And it's okay. I like to be free. It's okay to admit that this morning. We get way more excited about freedom than protection. But you need to know you can't have true freedom without protection. I saw it in my little six-year-old daughter. She wouldn't be so free to say I'm the main character in this family if she didn't have that protection. She's six years old, right? The reason she's free is because she's protected. And without that protection, doesn't come freedom, it comes bondage. In little ways and big ways. And again, it's not just my kid. I found this out the other day. When I went to sleep, my wife and I were really tired, had a long week, a long day, and really tired. And my daughter was in my bed at night, pray for us, and I'm coming to, we're going to the parenting night tomorrow night, right? Okay, good. Um, So the pillows were taken, by my six-year-old daughter. And I was so tired, and I just said, you know what, I don't need a pillow. I'm free. I don't need pillows. Or free. I don't need that kind of restriction in my life. I'm just going to go to sleep on the mattress. Free. Right? I don't need anybody. I don't need a pillow to support my head. I woke up at about 5 o'clock that morning and felt like I had an ear infection, and my eye was swollen up. Because I didn't have the protection and safety of a pillow, people. That was all it took. You see, we we see this in little ways. We see this in big ways. We see this in big ways when we say, yeah, I'm free. I'm an American, 2021. Free, don't need anybody. Pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Alcohol, nobody can tell me whether to drink alcohol or not. It's not a sin in the Bible to drink alcohol. It's a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. It's not a sin to drink. And so you start having a drink before you go out with your friends to loosen you up socially. No, it's okay. And then it sort of morphs into like, well, I'm free to do that. I'm free to just, you know, I had a tough day. I'm going to just take the edge off tonight. I'm free. And then it starts to turn into, I just need a drink every day, morning, morning. Middle of the day, night, it doesn't matter. And you end up in addiction. And what you thought was freedom is actually bondage. Maybe it's not alcohol for you, but you've pursued freedom with your career. We live in a capitalistic society. America, it's the dream life. It's the independent life. I'm going to go get mine. And so I'm going to, I'm free. I don't need the help of anybody else. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I'm going to work 60 to 70 hours. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to make it in life. People are going to look at me in my 20-year high school reunion and they're going to be like, wow, look at that guy. And yet those same people are lonely, sometimes divorced and depressed because They found all that financial supposed freedom and it was actually just bondage. It didn't fulfill them the way they thought. You see, inherently, if we're gonna get true freedom, we need divine protection from ourselves. See, who are we in this imagery? Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And listen, we're not lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. We're sheep The ones that are easily confused in life. The ones that see something that looks good, and I'm going to take that. And it's not good for us. 
I read about sheep this week, just one of the things I read, that sheep will go out and graze in a pasture and they'll eat all the grass. If they're left by themselves, they'll eat all the grass. And then when they're out of that grass, they'll start eating the excrement of other sheep till they die. We are the sheep, people. Right? Be encouraged. Aren't you glad you came to church today? We're the sheep. We don't just need freedom. We need protection. To experience true freedom, we need protection. You see, Jesus tells us he is the door. And again, imagine this pen. So he's laying down. He's the door. It's not just to keep us safe at night from predators or keep us safe from ourselves wandering off. It's also, he says, so they can go in and out to pasture. In fact, if you know anything about sheep at all, they can't stay in a pen forever. They will die that way. What does sheep need? They need water. They need pasture. And so Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's what Jesus is referring to right here. He is the door. Not that he keeps you restricted and just safe. No, he's the door. He's the one who leads you out to true fulfillment and freedom in life. But it's both. It's that protection with the fulfillment and freedom. Do you see? It's both. So Jesus wants you to experience what verse 10 says, not just life, not just existence. The word in the original language is zoe. It's the quality of life. It's not just where you're going to spend eternity one day in heaven. It's right now that you have overflowing, literally abundant life in Jesus. But it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. Sorry. We see that in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. He does lead me out of the pen. He he gets me some pastures. He gets me some still waters. He takes care of me. But you know what it also says in Psalm 23? He prepares a table for me. Oh, that sounds great. Probably some good Mexican food. He prepares a table for me where? In the presence of my enemies. See, there's still things attacking the sheep. The sheep are still confused at times. They still get lost and wander at times, but they have a shepherd in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that attack, in the midst of those circumstances to protect them while also giving them life, to make them full of life, even when they're facing difficulty in life. So question, do you seek Jesus Christ as your protector and your freedom and your fulfillment? Do you see Jesus as that? Do you even ask, Americans 2021, do you even ask for protection? Or do you have this? Are you shaking your fist at God, if you're honest? Maybe not overtly, but you're shaking your fist at the world, at the president, at God. I don't need anybody. I'm free. I'm an American. Do you even ask for protection? See, As Jesus talks about this, he says, I am the door, and he says, if. If anyone enters by me. See, it's a door. You can make the decision, I'm not going to take that door. And you can be outside of the protection of God, and that is a scary place to be. You think, I'm free. No, you're not. You're in bondage. I have life. No, you're not. You're going to die. 
That's the imagery Jesus is giving us. If you enter, you have to make a decision to enter. You have to make a decision. Ask Jesus for protection. Listen, not a president for protection. Not a policy for protection. Not your rights as an American for protection. Not that bottle as protection to numb your pain. Not your spouse for protection. Jesus alone, he says, I am the door, not a door. There's not multiple options. He's the door. You want protection in life. You want freedom in life. You want fulfillment of life. It comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. Are you asking him for it? Are you pursuing every other artificial door in your life and maybe in your own heart that says, I got this, I don't need anybody. I control my own fate. Where are you at this morning? See, what I love about Jesus is he doesn't just say he's the door, he shows us he's the door. What's been so cool over the last couple of weeks is I've gotten to study this, is I've just sort of seen things I haven't seen before. That, that's exciting when that happens. That's what makes the Bible so great, isn't it? Every time you read it, you, you see things you haven't seen before. And last week I saw something I hadn't seen before. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, if you just look a few verses prior to him saying that, he showed us that, didn't he? Go back and watch that sermon. He showed us that through the woman caught in adultery. Last week we said, Jesus is the light of the world. He rescues He renews, he reveals sin in our life. He reveals himself to us. And if you just read right before that statement, you see him doing that with the woman caught in adultery. You see him revealing sin, himself, the sin of other people. You see him rescuing her out of that sin. You see him renewing her and saying, go and sin no more. And then he says, isn't the Bible great? And then he says, I am the light of the world. After he just showed you. He does the same thing today. You see, in John chapter 9, he shows us, I am the door, before he ever says it. See, what happens in John chapter 9 is Jesus heals a blind man. And he heals the blind man on the Sabbath. And so some religious leaders, per usual, come around and they're criticizing Jesus. Get this, don't you just love religious people? Jesus heals a man He can't see, now he can see. And the religious leaders, they're debating whether he should have healed the man to begin with. But this is what's happening. And primarily, they debate, specifically in John chapter 9, they say, hey, is Jesus insane or is he just a sinner healing people on the Sabbath when he shouldn't be? Jesus leaves the scene. The blind man who's now healed and can see is still there. And they are ridiculing this blind man who's been healed and saying to him, hey, you don't belong in this temple. You're part of this whole insanity or sin that Jesus is committing. And so they literally close the door on the temple to this man. And it's beautiful. In John chapter 9, Jesus goes out again and finds this man. It says he hears of this, the door being shut on him at the temple. And he goes and finds this man and he says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? See, at this point, maybe the guy just thinks, hey, you're a miracle worker, you're some kind of healer. But Jesus takes it up a notch and says, no, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, yeah, where can I find him? And Jesus says, mic drop, you're talking to him right now. And the man says, I believe. And he starts worshiping Jesus. Listen, don't miss this. If you're thinking, well, Jesus, he's the door. 
He's so caring. Oh, that's so sweet. He's like, we're like sheep, and he's like the shepherd, and he builds us a little pen in the middle of the pasture. Jesus is so nice. He's so caring. He gives us true freedom and fulfillment and life. No! Jesus is dropping a bombshell on everybody in this moment. He's saying, y'all think you're the door? You think you can close the door on this man who I healed? No, no, no. I am not a door. I am the door. I get to decide, and only I, if the door closes or opens. Do you see it? Jesus just showed us he's the door, and now he's saying emphatically, I am the door. You need to open that door of the temple back up and let this guy in. Because unless I say it's closed, it's not closed. Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus utterly independent? I am self-sufficient, self-existing. Do you see what he's declaring but also describing about himself as God? Do you see it this morning? It's powerful. Jesus shows us he's the door. And he says he's the door to make it abundantly clear. You can be rejected by men, but if you're accepted by Jesus, you are good. Amen? Everybody else can close the door on you in life. You can close the door on yourself, but if Jesus opens it and invites you in, that's all you need for true freedom and fulfillment and protection in life. We're ending with communion today, and it's the perfect way to end today. You see, yesterday we had a funeral in this room. We've used this room a lot this week. Chapels, funerals, lots of things. I love it. And yesterday at this funeral, we had a guy in our church. We celebrated his life. His wife, Lori Campbell, his name is Pete Campbell. Uh, His wife got to get up and share. As I shared and other people shared, his wife got to get up and share about his life. And I've officiated several funerals, and I've heard spouses talk about their other spouse. And I've seen a lot of tears And I've seen a lot of mourning, and you just need to know, and if you know Pete and Lori Campbell, if you know Lori Campbell, she's sitting right there. Um, This won't actually shock you. I didn't see tears with Lori. I saw a stand-up comedian. (laughs) I mean, she had us rolling. I kid you not. You should have been at the funeral. It was exciting. She was full of joy. Lost her husband seven months ago. But she was full of joy. She was talking about how they were the the perfect match for one another. How if they had been the same, like she said, if I was the same as Pete, he was rather adventurous and rebellious in life. And she said, if I was the same as Pete, we would have both ended up in jail or dead. (laughs) And she said, if if Pete was the same as me, (laughs) that's my favorite one, Lori, that the uh, landlord of our apartment would have to come in and see us fossilizing to death in our apartment because we just sit there all day every day. She's like, we're just the perfect man. She had us. We were all rolling in the funeral. And I just thought, man, how can she have so much joy? How can she have so much freedom and fullness and life? It's because she knows the door. Because she has protection. In her most vulnerable moment, she has protection from God. Because she has freedom in that protection. She has fulfillment in that protection. She's free to express herself in that moment because she knows the door. But it's not just because she knew the door. It's because Pete knew the door. See, great backstory on Pete that I got to share yesterday that I'll share with you is, you know this uh, neon sign? Can anybody see it? It's like shining bright in your retina right now. 
the sign wasn't always uh, neon. We always had this sign. Seven years ago, we started the church. We've had this sign from the inception of our church, but it didn't always have neon on it until Pete Campbell showed up. <laughs> See, Pete came to me after the service. We had it on stage. It just wasn't lit up like this. And Pete came to me after a service one day, and he said, Tim, I got it. You know what this cross needs? It's missing something. You know what it needs? Neon. <laughs> to which I said, oh, that's an interesting idea, Pete. He said, no, 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 I have a neon guy. <laughs> Do you have a neon guy? I don't have a neon guy. He's like, I have a neon guy. We literally, we had coffee to debate and discuss, should we put neon on this cross? Like, we looked up some Yelp reviews of the company that would do it. We, we looked at some mock-ups of what it would look like. And finally, I just said, you know what, Pete? Let's just do it. Let's just try it. And so Pete Campbell and another guy loaded up this cross in his truck, and they went and got this sign, Neon. And let me just tell you, it is not one of. It is my favorite feature of our church. <laughs> if you've been around, you know I reference it. It's, a, it's an automatic illustration. I reference it all the time. And I love it so much, and I love it that that's Pete's legacy, because that's why Lori could joke in a funeral. Because she knew that Pete entered through the door, the door, Jesus. If anyone enters by me, Jesus says. You see that? I'm the door. If anyone enters by not religious works, not a political party, amen, thank you, Jesus. Not by my church attendance, but if anyone enters by, Jesus says, me. You see, Jesus, masterful illustrator, he's laying down in the opening of the pen. He is the door. That's meant to point us to not just a pen, but the cross of Jesus Christ. He lays his life down. And if anyone enters by him, protected, full, free, forever. And that's what Pete experienced. That's what Lori knows. And that's why we could celebrate a life yesterday. Amen? And that's, that's available to you this morning. But you have to come to Jesus. It's not through another door. There is no other door that's going to give you ultimate protection, freedom, and fulfillment in life. If anyone enters by me. It's, it's a sobering moment to say, there's some people who won't enter by Jesus. There's some people that at the end of the day will say, well, I got some other doors, Jesus. I got some other doors of religious works. I got some other doors of attendance. I, I, I owned a Bible. I did some good things. I, I served some people once. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I wasn't protecting you. I wasn't your fullness or freedom in life. You had to enter by me, by this cross. I laid my life down for you. I'm the one who opens the door. No one else. If anyone enters by Jesus, then you experience protection, freedom, and fullness. Are you entering by Jesus? Are you going all, all, all these detours, trying to do it on your own? Where are you at today? Daily and eternal protection, fullness, and freedom. It's available to you if you would enter by the door of Jesus. Friends, he doesn't just open the door, jiggle the handle. He doesn't just have the key to the door. He is the door. You go through him, and that's why we're taking communion today, because we're going to talk about Jesus, who literally laid his life down, gave his body, that's the bread, who shed his blood, that's the juice, and we're going to remind ourselves 
Only through the door of Jesus, only through the door of Jesus, do we have protection, freedom, and fullness in life. Listen, if you don't know that protection, freedom, and fullness, if you're not going through the door, then we'd invite you not to take communion. But instead, you can stop listening to me. You can start talking to Jesus, and you can ask him to be your protector, to be your freedom, to be your fullness. You can ask him to forgive you of your sin. You can ask him to meet you in your mess and save you. And then, wouldn't it be great? Then get up and take communion for the very first time. That's my prayer. So let me pray. And I'll give you some instructions on communion. Father in heaven, I do thank you that you are the door. God, I thank you that it almost seems so easy. Just, we just enter by you, but I know it's so hard to drop our pride, to be vulnerable, to ask for help, protection, to not try to do it on our own and think we got freedom taken care of because we're Americans in 2021. God, I pray that you would just crush our pride right now by your grace. And allow us to ask for help. If we are Christians, to ask for help. That you would, as we take the bread and the the juice, that we would remember that you are the door, that your cross is the door. We have nothing to hang our hat on today. No religious works, no morality. We have nothing before you today. We're all level at the foot of the cross today. That you would remind us that if we know you. That our protection, our freedom and fullness comes from you. And God, for those who don't know you, God, I pray that you would allow them to see that for the first time. Right now, they would stop listening to me. They would start talking to you. And they would trust you as the door to true protection, freedom, and fullness in their life. God, we pray that that would happen as we take communion. Bless it. In the name of Jesus, amen.